that was Mitski and Juju between the breaths. You're listening to Zoom Out Podcast with Simon and Cal. We're talking today about overpopulation. Overpopulation. Uh, kind of a big topic, big concern for a lot of people. It is. And it sounds scary. Um, and we're going to kind of try and wade our way through this topic. It's a bit messy, um, as we've discovered in our research. Um, trying to sort out the data and, and and it is a broad topic so it's it's hard to have a very concise conversation about this with so many moving parts I and mean, we're talking about a global issue and so many different micro micro um, communities within it so yeah um, and, yeah and I think it's a good topic for for, for our, our podcast because we you know I think that's one of our um, our goals is to take these big issues, unpack them, and uh, try and uh, come out on the other end of it with a, a better perspective, yeah. and hopefully um, spur that conversation elsewhere in, in our listeners. Uh, so maybe we should start out by kind of defining some terms, um, and then um, we we're not going to have a um, Take any, I don't think we I think we both kind of come out somewhere on in the middle on this one right milk toast fence sitters uh, <laughs> on this issue but um, I, I do see good points on both sides of the argument in, in terms of um, the potential risk for overpopulation being an issue in the future as well as um, uh, what would be called the technological optimism um, right. side of things that's in that we'll be able to sort these issues out with with our technology. Um, as we have ultimately in the past, so we're, maybe we'll just kind of slog through it point by point. And uh, why, why don't we start with, I guess, some of the concerns that a lot of people with overpopulation, or a lot of concerns about overpopulation that people have, going right down to uh, Thomas Malthus, who um, essentially theorized that overpopulation will one day outstrip our resources we won't have enough food um to support the population I, mm. I don't remember when this was you said it was the 1700s 1700s yeah late 1700s so uh pre-industrialization um wh- you know at that time uh i think thinking in that context it made sense to worry about uh, this you know obviously they're seeing populations start to skyrocket and yeah. with traditional agriculture it's like well we don't have the tools to to feed a billion or five billion people um and the concern reflects ours very similarly i mean it's the exact same it's the exact same fear and going into this part of the reason why actually i should preface this why i brought it up even in the last podcast as an option for simon to choose was because it was something that i was kind of uneducated about but if you think you know rationally logically it doesn't it doesn't seem like we have enough resources on earth to sustain our population i mean Look how much a day that McDonald's just dumps just by the packaging, for example. Right. People throwing that out. It's billion customers served, and everything that we're discarding, um, you know, water bottles and, and the food that we that we the grossly mm-hmm. um, uh, a waste here in North America, especially. And so, you know, as a rational person, you're thinking, Wow, how how is this? How is this going to be sustainable? Yes. How is this sustainable? So anyways, I was having a conversation with Simon. Simon quite confidently actually said, oh, no, you know what? Um, I work in the agriculture industry and I don't believe it's going to be, you know, that big of an issue. Or I think we're going to have some workarounds on it. So I and yeah, so that led me into okay, looking into it Mm -hmm. because 
yeah, it's something that's it's in the forefront. It's something that we have to deal with. I mean, we got big populations in developing countries that seemingly are um, going to affect us in the future. Well, they will, but not not necessarily in a negative way. We mm-hmm. think about as we as we move forward. But. Sure. Um, yeah, and again, it's 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 so complicated. So it's like you, you can look at overpopulation in a regional sense, um, in in a distinct area or in the global sense of you know, how much resources does the earth have and um, and the the principle of available resources and the what's called carrying capacity of a certain amount of land it, it can be it can be um, it can be initiated from not just um, increased birth rate say for example um, that's kind of the traditional way of looking at it is populations just gr- growing out of control but it also can be um, caused from a decrease in mortality mm-hmm. it can be caused by um, uh, immigration into a certain area that that um, has a set amount of resources or um, even <clears throat> um, I had another example in my head I just just decided <laughs> to, to leave um, but Ultimately, um, I think the concern people have with the idea of overpopulation in general is there. It's based on a kind of a conventional way of looking at resources, sure. looking at population, um, and kind of a model for that would be animal overpopulation, right? So you, it's a, it's a nice, simple model. Um, of you know a certain area has a certain limited resources say if you're looking at you know a predator um, that preys on a certain species right yeah. well once you know, once a certain amount of those uh, animals are present well they're going to run out of animals to eat therefore the, nat- the population naturally decreases but right. um, and we're going to um, delve into this further but I think humans are just a a, a different case there there are similarities there but we have our own set of variables that can kind of transcend those those limitations well, we're nothing if not adaptable as a species so yeah exactly um so you you have looked into i know you've brought up thomas malthus more than once here um so one of the things from what i understand oh sorry my, my screen is freezing up here um was that he argued that famine and war were a good way to trim the population <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, again, 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 that's looking at it in a, in a conventional yeah, sense, yeah, yeah. where um, where we have this this set, you know, X number of resources, and basically, once we run out of those, we're we're in trouble. But uh, as you said, humans are very resourceful, and we have this tendency to um, self correct. In in in, I mean, it's one of the beautiful things about a free market. Um, is when there's scarcity of a certain resource, mm-hmm. we the, the value of that resource goes up. So we tend to look elsewhere to find a cheaper s- source of, of of whatever it is we're we're, we're short of. Um, the most basic example would be fuel or like energy right, sources. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and and I mean, unfortunately. Um, Another a downside of of a, of, a, of the free market system is you have um, political interests or you have these industries that have a stake in 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 generating revenue from a certain resource. So they're sure. they'll, they'll they'll stubbornly you know in the case of, of oil for example they'll 
they'll kind of um, you know dig dig in and and uh, resist change to, to sustainable resources until they can profit from that. But ultimately, as as at a as a whole, um, we tend to um, uh, yeah, like I said, self-correct and move towards a new new resource once something becomes. Um, Before we uh, quickly jump on the. Uh... <laughs> The, the train for or against overpopulation. I just wanted to talk about other things, though, about and the cons- address some of the concerns, though, for o- overpopulation. Right. Good idea. Yeah. yeah um, and bringing it back to Malthus again. He also argued that um, helping the poor, who he, he argued um, were having too many children, just like the, the same cases made a lot in... Um, our current situation they're saying oh you know the africans are having too many children um or or uneducated families are having too many children it, there was an there was an argument made against that that's you hear to this day and i thought it was interesting because i looked into that a little bit more and someone brought up the point that um while that may be true you also have to consider um the impact that each individual makes and just one of the interesting ones the arguments i guess um is that is it overpopulation or overconsumption so for example right um first world nations um are way more culprit than mm-hmm. an african i don't want to pick an africans but a, a, thir- uh, a third world country per se and one of the facts i thought was really fascinating was that it would take 165 somalians to make the same environmental impact as one American. Yeah, I actually have that in my notes too um, in, in relation to um, it, and I guess um, looking at it on the, the the pessimistic side of things that if, as we're seeing a trend in the third world towards um, first world standard of living yeah. um, we, and I, this is, this is a, I don't know if this is a legitimate statistic, but I read that if China, India, you know, these very dense populations were to have the same amount of resource consumption, as you said, yep. a, as we do in, in North America or Western Europe, we would need four or five Earths essentially worth of agricultural right. space right. To, to feed right. that many people. So, um, but again, but it, 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 it's a complicated issue because who are we to deny them their rights to become a first world country? You know, right? And and that that uh, that logic applies in t- in terms of um, environmental pollution, right? Because we got to where we were as first yeah. world countries by depleting resources and taking advantage of our environment. So it is hypocritical, but at the same time, it's a it's a practical argument. Um, we only have one Earth, um, so. But um, to complicate things even further, you'll notice that birth rates so obviously directly relating to the risk of overpopulation issues yeah um birth rates as as standard of living goes up birth rates decrease so right yeah, yeah, yeah. you could make the argument that we, well yeah population is growing exponentially but once you have um you know the the amount of um gross domestic product being generated in india and china they'll be they won't they're you know the average kids per per families is going to go down from whatever it is six or seven um well to make a quick anecdote about it anecdote anecdote about it sorry um would be that for example okay you get someone who's growing up in rural india and um they want to move to the city to then in in rural in rural communities and traditionally among most 
human societies before we had you know bigger uh, bigger cities and whatnot is to have many children and the reason for many children is because a lot of children die along the way you need more hands mm-hmm. to help on the farm or or whatever trade that you have um so but when as families move towards cities first of all it's not really sustainable to have that many children that many mouths to feed if you don't have a farm you don't have a a place to to house them right um but as people become educated as women become educated they don't necessarily need as many children anymore it's 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 a pretty logical trend Mm -hmm. um for most people especially north america here i mean most people in general don't really look past three children i mean even one child is you know quite acceptable here now Mm -hmm. um so yeah as as essentially as as a a nation develops into a first a first world nation um the population decreases people get more educated um yeah yeah it's a yeah it's a cause for hope i think in in, and i guess i'm doing research into this into this topic um I was wondering, like, what what is the actual concern for people in terms of um, negative consequences of overpopulation? Is it is it the human starvation? Is it societal collapse? Is it environmental damage? Um, um, you know, um, water ecological, yeah, water usage, land usage, and that se- it seems to be clean water. The, yeah. the, the concern seems to be more geared towards the um, ecological um, impact and. Looking at, I'm um, just pulling up a, a graph here. I just found recently the percentages of the Earth's surface covered um, by water, agriculture, um, human habitation, that kind of thing. It's actually really surprising. Um, so you have 70%, 71% of, of the Earth's surface is, is covered in water. Okay. Um, not a big surprise. But then of the remaining 30%, you have... Twelve percent is agriculture. Um, <clears throat> um, I'm not sure what the this ten percent. Um, sorry, my my uh, my phone's acting funny here. Um, under con- conversation conversion, so being converted, I guess, to agriculture, and oh, then okay, yeah, yeah, like um, only yeah, only zero point. Uh, 0.5% is human habitation, which was surprising to me. Of, the oh, only thing I'd like to know about that um, data that they wouldn't spe- specify, or that they may not specify, is what's not habitable or what's not farmable as well, because you have deserts, you have mountains. That would be kind of an important um, point to put on that graph as well. Right. But in any case, like the fact that we're, you know, we're we're not even taking up one percent of the lands the, the the world's surface in terms of human right. uh, human um, land so that that gives me optimism that uh, as uh, you know if we can if we can keep that percentage of agricultural land where it is or even reduce that yeah. um, we're not at risk right now of of um, you know running out of space let alone the idea of building you know vertically and um, obviously, when you're looking at three dimensions, you can you can house people um, in vertical space as well, not just um, hor- uh, you know, surface area uh, space as well. So, okay. Um, well, what about the food, though? So, as you mentioned, Simon is 
in tune with the agricultural industry and um like we were discussing one of the big concerns is that we will not be able to um will not be able to provide enough food for the amount of people that we have yeah and i think that's a common misconception and and um again going back to to these malthusian uh this mal- mal- the malthusian catastrophe that that mm-hmm. um people are concerned will happen as overpopulation becomes more of an issue um you know once like i think they're estimating that the earth's population will be in excess of 10 billion by the year 2040 so in our lifetimes um pretty incredible number and if you were to ask someone in 1798 like tom and malthus thomas yeah. malthus hey like uh you know could you envision the earth with 7 billion people on it i believe of the 7.5 billion people on earth right now there's currently 1.1 billion or so that are living beneath the poverty line and are are um i don't know if that's starvation levels or not but um you know we are able to feed over 6 billion people on earth right so the idea that that idea would would just seem laughable at that time right because they didn't have so they you know they didn't have the agricultural technology that we have now in terms of automation all these large right. um this large farming equipment um so we've already been able to really break free of those traditional um uh, food production methods and we are continuing to you know to make strides and and one of them was the invention of um, synthetic fertilizer so that that's okay that allowed us to that was one of the key um, bottlenecks that allowed us you know um, that would break that, out of it yeah break out of that that bottleneck and it, it was it allowed us to um, uh, be ex, you know exponentially more efficient with our food production in a given space of land and one thing that's exciting for me and and um i work in more of the horticultural side of things so greenhouse production indoor production crop production and we like in alberta it's not as much of a necessity because we do we do have a lot more space so so this this whole um sustainable agriculture thing movement is more prevalent in dense urban areas and cities right um but even even in Alberta, like I work with uh, a few uh, vertical farms, so we're talking about warehouse style facilities that are there. You know, they they use uh, high efficiency LED lighting, and they they grow lettuce uh, mainly. Um, <clears throat> cannabis now as well is, uh, is is moving into that world, right. uh, being legal now in in Canada. Well, I don't know. That's something that's also fascinating me. I know me and Simon shared some images back and forth. I've going through my urban planning um degree and when i was I w- i'm s- incredibly fascinated by these um vertical farms specifically because you can inject them into the middle of um an, a dense urban uh, mm-hmm. location into say for example condo and you can just put on run it on the inside of a condo every every level gets a little bit of uh of access to you know greenery i i, I think it's it's definitely um an optimistic point of the future and and technologies and well, yeah, and it's it's un, you know it's, it's something that somebody like Thomas Malthus in 1798 could never have predicted, yeah, right? For sure. he, he's saying, well, <clears throat> we have X amount of hectares of of space, we can grow, you know, 
even if we can pr improve on our agricultural techniques, there's no way we could have 7 billion people and feed, feed all these people on earth. But right. guess what? Um, synthetic fertilizers, um, the, you know, the invention of this large machinery, automation, um, you know, now we have drones. Um, and this, so this, this is, you know, uh, a, a really, it's really exciting to, to for, for me, I'm, I'm, I'm really excited to be a part of this industry because it's, um, we're, you're constantly, we're, we're seeing improvements in, in the efficiency of production. Um, and, and, and then that, that technology is not just in, um, you know, take, take, doesn't just take the form of, um, you know, farm equipment. Um, so, so pesticides, new, new technology, new pesticide technology is, is, is always being brought to the market, new genetics. So new plant genetics are constantly being evolved. Um, I don't know how much we want to talk about this, but GMO, um, it's a very controversial issue. It might be something we can talk about in the future, but um, GMO, and, and you know, I have a biochemistry background. I, I, I spent a lot of um, my academics time learning about um, the, you know, the, the uh, genetics in general. And, um, you know, we're seeing now these varieties or these cultivars, they're called these, these essentially... Um, these species of of, of um, plant crops that are extremely productive, like these things, you can literally almost watch them grow, you know, in the right conditions. And um, so, all of these different aspects were just we're taking leaps and bounds forward. And um, to go back to the the vertical farming, it, the the amount of resources that it takes to grow, say, a head of lettuce in in a vertical farm versus traditional agriculture. Mm -hmm it's a fraction. So, right. um, I, one, one, um, one business I was working with, I was like, um, I was, um, being a sales guy, I have to, you know, be concerned about, you know, forecasts and, and, and product usage and stuff. And I, was, I, I, I was like, I, I sold some, some fertilizer to this, this vertical farm and, you know, a couple months go by. I'm like, Oh, they're not buying anymore. I'm like, you know, maybe they've, they've, they've started to source elsewhere. I'm like, Oh, yeah. so I got, I got a hold of them. Like, you know, as, as I, as I do. And, um, you know, I say, well, are, are, you know, is there issues if you guys had to source elsewhere? And yeah. they're like, no, we just we, we just don't go through it. Like they, they go through like a bag every month. And we're talking about thousands, tens of thousands wow. of heads of lettuce yeah. are being grown from, you know, a, a $60 bag of fertilizer. And is this a direct result of the vertical farming structure or is it just yes. as, the as, fertilizer? As, is that good? All, all of those things combined. But essentially it's it's and, and this applies to their water usage as well as well, because they recirculate their their water. Um, so well, they're not the nutrients and uh, yeah, all that nutrients is reused. Right. They, they, they calibrate. It's it's not an easy science, but again, um, these are these are ideas that would that are um, would be completely alien to someone f who was a, far a farmer in the 1700s or 1800s, right? We right. so it's again, you know, it's it's hard to put yourself in 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 the space of someone who's living in the year 2250, right? Yeah. And 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 we have all these dire predictions, but it's like. We can't imagine the type of technology, and, and you know, you brought up the idea of urban urban farming, and and mm -hmm. think about the amount of rooftop surface area that is just wasted right now. Oh yeah, and that's, absolutely. That's yeah. that's prime. You know, that gets um, you know, so much sunlight, mm -hmm. um, and now that all if all of that space is, is being you know see you see a lot of this in Europe right now, all of that space that's being used to to grow. Uh, crops in the city mm -hmm. 
that's now prevent not only is it saving agricultural land but it's now is you're also reducing emissions you're 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 reducing traffic because you don't have all these trucks bringing food uh, you know in, into the city right um so yeah i think it's just um we well, we have just begun in terms of um coming up with with innovative ways of, of feeding the population and 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 as again as as we mentioned earlier, I think you know pe- people are just so we're we're, we're so uh, resilient and we're so responsive that when we come up with a, if we come up come up against a, a massive problem in terms of being able to feed people on Earth mm-hmm. and ecological collapse, we will come up with a solution. We will start u- forcing every single you know pro- uh, property developer to have a mandatory rooftop garden or or a hydroponic floor of every ten floors for a food production for that for that residency or that business right why not right well i don't know about you guys but i'm convinced <laughs> all right we'll wrap it up that's right, it thanks, thanks. No. <laughs> um no it's just interesting that you brought it up another effect that i came across when i was doing some research was that um lawns actually <clears throat> lawns just the front lawns the grass of our suburban neighborhoods um actually require more fresh water than all the corn crops in all of America. And this was right. sort of American statistic. I thought it was fascinating because we have all this um, green space that we, we use to maintain just to keep this, this lawn, this appearance. I mean... Just for aesthetics, yeah. How many people roll around the grass except, you know, children? And, you know, I grew out of that pretty quickly as well. I mean, it's nice to look at, um, but we scale back some of these, you know, luxuries that we, we do in the, the, the first world, perhaps we can be saved. And on top of that, someone was had a little bit more radical of an idea was that we have all these, these green spaces, these lawns. I mean, if it came down to it, like you're saying, if we can, you know, for example, force, I hesitate to use the word force, but encourage people to use that, that green space, that lawn, all that water they're putting into their, um, into their, into their lawn Mm -hmm. to grow other crops. I mean, there's another potential solution right there. I know my, my parents living in a suburb, with all their space, if they converted it, excuse me, into a farm, I mean, there'll be there'll definitely be more no, more than enough for them, at least alone yeah. for that that one household. They'll definitely have a surplus. And yeah, absolutely, and and um, there are of course limitations in, in terms of what kind of crops you can grow, right? Like av- apparently avocados, like they're only grown in Mexico, right? So that you know that's that's a that's a whole other obstacle to get around, but ultimately. Um, you know, it, if someone wants an avocado that bad, and say it costs ten dollars, uh, you know, because because of scarcity, well, um, maybe um, maybe you're gonna have to be a bit more resourceful and and set up a you know a little hydroponic grow room. You can grow virtually anything you want indoors, right? Because right. you you control the climate. Um, Sorry, sorry, people that are into uh, avocado toast. And they've all that stuff. And That's okay. We we don't want hipsters. <laughs> I was thinking, I'm just kidding. Um, I yeah. Um, <laughs> hey man, we got like two listeners. Don't alienate <laughs> the <laughs> other one. <laughs> um, no, I like avocado toast. You know, you yeah, gotta, yeah, gotta yeah. get those omegas, omegas in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it, I I think it's just um, we're taking um, uh, kind of an old old school way of of looking at. Um, food production and applying it to to not only the present where um it's just not uh, we're we're not as limited as we used to be by any means um but applying it to a future context where we're going to have um like i said in terms of um efficiency improvement in in food production 
it's amazing. Now we have um, we have all sorts of automation. Like we have drones that are able to you know um, scout for 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 diseases in crops. We have machines that can pick vegetables, pick fruit. Um, that's all. That that's you know, that's all moving us towards um, a future where you know just just it's just a, kind of a silly idea, but you know um, this whole utopian this whole Star Trek idea where we have replicators, right? Where you right. where we're able to just convert energy into into food. Um, I think that's kind of a um, a pie in the sky. I mean, obviously there's many steps in in, in between here and there, but try and picture um you know something 20 or 50 years from now where you have these massive um vertical farms that are essentially and um you know i i I, it's amazing what i see in terms of some some of these growers like the the the, um you have these massive facilities with you know uh, enough food to feed thousands of people in in this space and there's one person working. It's all automated. I, I definitely like to see this, the the date on that. Let's just say we we create a city that's a, a template city, and to see how much we we allocate a certain amount to um to these vertical farms and you know urban farms and whatnot. I'd, I'd be curious to see what the number is, because at the end of the day, I mean, still having a nice giant sprawled out um, farm is overall more practical easier to harvest them assuming in, in some ways but honestly like um there's so much more risk there too like um for example like you know we, we get these freak hailstorms in, in alberta right yeah and something i didn't realize but like these wipe out entire crops and that can be an entire farmer's livelihood make for the break, year yeah, yeah make or break sure. because that that you know that one that one last crop would be their entire year's profit right mm-hmm. and when you when you're subject to, to, to you know environmental conditions um, there's only so much you can do whereas in in these in these indoor facilities um, you can essentially control you can really fine-tune it's, it's it's a it's a very precise science um, you know fine-tuning these variables humidity temperature uh, having having said all that though as utopian of a dream as this is this changes this would require a lot more um, it would take a huge revamping in our, our, our sewage system and our, our water systems because we, I mean, if you're talking about old cities that have been around for a long time, I mean, trying to get that much water into the buildings, you know, the utility services would have a. Would I think I, I think it's a misconception. Honestly, like you, the thing is, you need exponentially less water. Like I'm talking, oh, I know, hundreds yeah, familiar, of times less water uh, per per acre of of, of land to grow say lettuce indoors um or even you know hydroponic vegetables like they they recirculate their water um whereas with agricultural crops they they don't have that option right it's just uh, you, there's you lose um you lose uh, arable land to irrigate to um, erosion um you know and and um yeah it's just it's, mean, it's, it, you, it, you would agree though it would require a huge overhaul of our our systems if we're, if we're aiming for some sort of utopian i mean we weren't we weren't able to for example even get proper road systems in old cities in say europe or china i mean trying to get sewage systems into that to get into water get water into these vertical farms and like you said i, I agree because the vertical farms by virtue of gravity don't require a lot of 
the same amount of water but i mean th that is something that i would assume is some issue that an urban an urban population would have to face well i, th I think it's 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 a it's a pretty easily um um solvable problem right it, it, it's solvable oh for sure as long as we're willing but it takes it takes like you're saying there's a lot of people resistant to any kind of change i mean even just changing you know a, a sidewalk will get the entire community up in arms these days um so i i just i see this being a little bit more of a a slow progress and there's going to be some growing pains Yes, and, and and again, you know, necessity is the mother of invention. They say, right? It's like you, we will, <clears throat> as we are running out of, um, or you know, food production becomes uh, more expensive because we're running out of land, or we have, um, <clears throat> we're running out of, um, you know, say, uh, natural um, um, forest to you know, deforest and, and grow crops on, yep. um, then it, it becomes more economically feasible to just, um, you know, add a rooftop garden or have a, you know, a mandatory, um, hydroponic indoor, uh, vertical farm for every, you know, 10,000 acres of, of, of city or something like that. Right. It's, <clears throat> I think it's just, uh, um, I think we can, I, I, I do, I, I guess I, I would say I, I am a technological optimist in the sense that I, I do believe that this planet with, with the right technology, we could sustain tens, if not hundreds of billions of, of people. And hopefully we can get our act together and, uh, in, you know, uh, implement th those technologies before we, 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 you know, run out of um, uh, endangered species or right, uh, you know right. do that much damage to the ecology well while we're speaking on um, crops and, and whatnot David Attenborough I actually saw one of his speeches he brought up an interesting point though he was saying because the whole biofuel bio movement is becoming it's really taking um, is really taking off especially down in places like Brazil mm -hmm. I know if you go to the gas station they have a um, option to have you know biofuels in their cars it, it honestly it's it's very easy to convert a car from gasoline to also um accept biofuels mm -hmm. and whatnot and his, so his one concern was that actually where these crops should be used to be feeding people we're actually yeah. using it towards um um biofuels and whatnot and that that is true um absolutely and and the same the same logic applies to animal agriculture and, and we touched on this last week um, the idea that the efficiency of growing grain, whether it's soy or or, or whatever, um, it is to feed um, these these um, these animals, it is just a massive waste, and it could be more efficiently utilized. Mm -hmm. um, but let me I'll use this example. So um, apparently there was a concern um, pre automobile. Um, we had. I think the population of, of horses was like a hundred times what it is now, right? Because we, we they were used for everything, right? They, right. you know, horsepower is 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 uh, is, is a, a carryover term from that period, um, and there was this concern. Well, like, what 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 do we do about 
as this horse population keeps growing and growing, what are we gonna do about all these this manure everywhere? Like it was like it was just literally filling the streets. And <laughs> really, yeah. And, and and then sure enough, um, we evolved the car, and all of a sudden there was just that 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 evaporated. That that whole concern just just ceased to exist. And we we you know we have a whole new model of of transportation. So the same logic I think could apply to the idea of. Uh, biofuels, um, the wastage in biofuels or in animal, animal agriculture, all, all it takes is for us to have a shift. In, uh, you know, sometimes it's it's a it's a, a massive leap forward in, in technology that allows us to just kind of bypass the problem altogether. Okay. So I don't think we should bank on that, but it, it, I think um, yeah, I, I think uh, as with 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 most situations with 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 people we. Um, we tend to um, be be very innovative and resourceful, as we've said already a few times. So, and so aside from just the technological, too, as I was doing my research, I I was a little bit more on side to what Simon had to say, but for actually different reasons. Um, one of them being that, as I mentioned before, where populations are more educated, specifically women, um, the populations decline. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're we're seeing that in large countries like. China. I mean, they, I guess they have the one-child policy, but in places like India, for example, um, as women become educated, they um, they they are educated on ideas of contraception. Mm-hmm. They become part of the workforce. So even though they may be consuming, they're also contributing to the economy or contributing to you know these these mean the these systems of production. So. Um, in that aspect, as the world is starting to equalize, I believe, anyways, and this is you know far in the future. There's still a lot of, um, a lot of, uh, what's it? Uneven um, inequality. Sorry, yeah. inequality um, between populations. But as as people have more access to internet, which I think is also a very important part, and I think Elon Musk is trying to champion, but giving everyone um, access to information. So for example, all these technologies, mm-hmm. give them access to these ideas, vertical farms, which don't actually require, from what I understand anyways, don't require high tech or like very no, really. advanced no. technology. It just no. literally requires um, <laughs> the ability to build upwards, yeah. um, which all yeah. most societies have. So I, I think uh, education in general will help you know, a lot of these populations in the third world country kind of balance out but as you mentioned before too as these people become more educated they also want to uh to have the same kind of luxuries that we we're afforded here as well so i don't know it'll be interesting and it's not something that you know me and simon could uh, readily p- predict i mean just like you know the environment it's it's a it's a large global system but yeah i, I do take a an optimistic position, just just based on the the data that I've seen, um, and I mentioned last week um, after the show, that a book by Steven Pinker called the Enlightenment Now, and and it really ties into what we're talking about in in, in that by almost all metrics, um, and this is globally, we are seeing progress. So we're seeing um, child mortality decrease. We're seeing starvation um, decrease. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think it's safe to have a cautious but optimistic view of the future in, in all regards. Um, and yeah, technology plays a big role and we shouldn't take it for granted. We shouldn't just assume that there's this magic force that's p- continually pushing us forward. Um, and we could take steps back at any point, but 
um, I think the trend is move is uh, for progress. So well, it's it's a good point you brought up because I mean anyone listening to this think oh great you know we have technology these people these people those people are handling it. I mean maybe is there any actionable plans for example as I mentioned the lawns that we could take. Mm-hmm. I mean one one quick idea I know it's becoming a little bit in trend to have like a fake lawns fake turfs um, right. Um, that that feel they're a lot more legitimate than the you know the ones that we all grew up with. I mean, there's there's certain things that we can our own combat that. Um, you can you can have your own garden at home. Um, mm-hmm. You can waste less, take advantage of this compost that we have in Calgary here. Is there any is there anything that you wanted to add on that? Because I mean, yes, the technology is there to feed other people, but like I mentioned before. In first world countries, we are the culprits. Mm-hmm. We are the ones that are making the biggest damage while we're looking, you know, with big concern at these other countries that have large populations. And yet, you know, it only takes one of us compared to 165 Somalians. It's right. And I think that comes down to awareness. Like, I, I agree that that is it is a double standard and 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 it's it's a it's a product of necessity right we're wasteful because we can be wasteful in the west and um i've always been a proponent of trying to as an individual minimize your your damage to the environment minimize your usage your food wastage um but it's really hard to convince people of that because you know it's an inconvenience out of their day to have to take those steps to minimize the the food waste, for example, or mm-hmm. um, you know, they you know a personal sacrifice to not have that perfectly green lawn, right? But so, it, where do you draw the line in terms of what what people should have the right to do, right? But you know, or like um, you know, it, it can it, so it can apply to so many different things, and I don't. I, I would argue it doesn't take that big of, that much of an effort to to to, to at least. Um, well, take you, steps forward in 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 minimizing your waste and, and your your environmental impact. I mean, keeping with your optimistic tone, though, in our city, I mean, in Calgary, where we're an oil town and we get a lot of flack, but um, I've traveled around the world and they don't have compost systems that we do. They don't even have recycling right. systems that we do. Yeah, I mean, in our city, they have they now take out the compost twice, uh, sorry, once a week versus the regular garbage. They only take once every two weeks. I mean, they're. It's a it's a governmental initiative, and no one's actually forcing you to. I mean, maybe you're being forced through tax, but. Um, and social pressure. And as social well. pressure, sure. Which is good, and and you know, because I, I I think it's um. Yeah, people need to want to do it, and you're not. And well, sometimes like you're talking about convenience. So I mean, if the convenience is there. Right. do it if you can't you don't have a blue bin to recycle then a lot of people like you're saying they're busy you, you've had a long day of work it's just like oh, you know screw it i'm just gonna toss this one bottle in here this one bottle is not gonna make a difference but. absolutely and and i'm i'm no exception like i remember I, when i was younger my in my 20s when i just had more free time I had the luxury of not having a full-time job and in, in a career i was so diligent like i i reused like the chinese food containers you know that the tin container because i was like I could you know, use this as a, as a Tupperware thing, right? Mm-hmm. And like I would wash it. My, my I remember my friend came over once and he's like, 
you're like my mom. Like, why are you washing a, <laughs> a, 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 a what is designed to be a single use takeout container? I'm like, well, right. this is metal. This was harvested from the earth. Yeah. Um, is a lot. Like, the amount of water that goes into creating that um, little Chinese food tin. It's like a thousand liters or something crazy like that, right? No so, shit. So it, you know, it, it little steps like that, and and now since then, like I, you know, at, just to your point, like as I'm a lot more crunched for time, I don't worry about that kind of thing as much. And I'm like, hey, I don't have the energy to worry about that, and I just throw it in the garbage or I throw it in the recycling. Yeah. But I'm not like washing out every container. Yeah, yeah. Um. So yeah, it has to be convenient. I think you're right, and we have to allow for that to be convenient. And, um. I think there is a general trend in that direction, and and, it, and you know I hate to keep bringing it back to our discussion last week about about animal rights, but ultimately we need to incentivize these good choices, right? We need to um, allow, in in the case of, of of animal rights, we need to to uh, uh, provide you know plant based options for people, um, and in the case of of um, today's subject and overpopulation, we need to incentivize. Um, like you said, having compost systems, having, um, you know, high efficiency, um, appliances. Um, I read an article today about how I think it was Heineken. They just moved away from, um, the, the, the plastic rings for, for their, for the cans. Oh yeah. yeah. And, and the plastic wrapping on, on, you know, the individual, um, cans. So we, we as consumers, again, we we as consumers need to drive this change by by choosing to purchase from companies that are more ecologically sustainable and um, say no to products that we find we th- we we know are harming the environment because ultimately these industries um, yeah some of them might have a, have some kind of conscience and but ultimately in you know in in, in a capitalist system they're driven by social pressure yeah. pro- profitability and and what the consumer wants supply and demand right so i think again uh, well i did want to inject one of the things I, so i know animal rights is one important or one of your your passionate uh what you what you're passionate about but for me one of the things that i noticed and could definitely help towards um, overpopulation was food wastage. I mentioned that mm-hmm. before, but I remember, geez, I was 18 years old. Summer I was 18, I was working, you know, in a bakery, and um, we would be throwing out garbage bags the size. Oh, it's crazy. Of yeah. of cars just full of bread. Yeah. Because they're one day expired, and it, it, to me it was outrageous. I I felt really guilty throwing it out. I mean. I could tell you there's a there's a ton of homeless people out there, you know, begging for food that I know yeah. want to. And I know there are a lot of people out there now that are starting to make the change. For example, some restaurants are um, purchasing things that expire and um, um, uh, foods, produce that expire the next day or, or that are already expired and just turning it into um, turning into dishes and mm-hmm. whatnot. I know there's certain places um, that kind of have lax. And, and by the way, for any non-Canadian listeners, um, Canada actually has one of the worst um, expiry labels. So, for example, in United States, they have um, use-by dates, or maybe this could be in the UK, mm-hmm. um, or the, ex- the actual expiry dates. But in Canada, we have what we call best-before dates, mm-hmm. which are actually quite ambiguous. They say... Right. Yeah, they, they give you... Um, they give you quite a bit of um, what's the word uh, leeway, or mm-hmm. the, before it actually expires, and it it promotes you know more um, 
people to to purchase more but also to throw away as well um so and then that's something that's you know kind of kind of turned me off and i think personally could qu help quite a bit with the um with concerns about overpopulation but yeah definitely and and so I think to kind of try and tie tie all, a lot of these ideas together, we I think there are there are a lot of steps that the individual can take in their day to day life to minimize the impact that that their their choices make on the environment, and ultimately as a society um, we can make to uh, just be more efficient and. Um, and uh, just be, be being conscious of this stuff, right? So, mm -hmm. um, hopefully, uh, having this conversation today is is uh, is an example of that. Just getting getting the getting the idea out there and getting people thinking about it more. And, um, and so the takeaway is, don't freak out. Don't freak out. We're not we're not quite at oh. that point yet. But at yeah. the same time, um, you we all as a community need to promote steps, like Simon was saying, find find the right producers. Yeah, are, are encouraging you know sustainable technologies. What? Yeah, and, and the crazy thing is, a lot of people actually are panicking, and it's it's. Oh, I I was totally one of them. Well, and, and and I get it. Like, uh, I I I do believe climate change is an issue, and it's and it may be overblown to some extent, um, but the, uh, this is an interesting statistic that 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 relates to the concept of overpopulation as well. So I read this article the other day about how particularly liberals and progressives are having less kids than religious people and, and conservative people. And a big part of that... I, I don't think that's, I don't think that's uh, breaking news there. Well, it, 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 uh, it was for me. And it, it, it's interesting that... Um, and, and the logic there is... Which blows my mind because, yeah, I mean... I understand that we could be in it, we could very well be in a climate emergency, but the idea of not having kids because the world is going to end in in, tw in twelve years, that seems hyperbolic. That seems extreme and just not based in reality. It's like no matter how bad climate change is, people in the West um, are going to be the least affected by it, um, which is which is unfair and it's it's really unfortunate that mm -hmm. the, you know people in the third world are going to be bearing you know. Taking the brunt of the consequences in terms of you know the, the downstream effects of climate change, mm -hmm. um, but <clears throat> yeah, if if people are that scared of of you know environmental catastrophe that they're they're not going to have kids, um, I think we need to take a step back. And it sounds like they've lost the plot a little bit. Like we need to uh, go back to reality and deal with the issue, of course. But like. Um, <laughs> I'm not opposed to it. I'll be honest with you. With not <laughs> having kids? Well, no. I mean, not it's not the not having kids part, but it's just like if some people are freaking out if they want if they want to contribute to the overpopulation problem by having one or one or two less kids, mouse to feed. I'm not against that either. No, just like we were talking about in our own small part. I mean, if you weren't really interested in having kids to begin with, if if that's the only thing stopping is your concern of overpopulation, then sure, I don't think it's strong right. enough argument not to have kids. Right, that's where I I come out on it, it and I think this opens up a kind of a Pandora's box because th we're getting into the you know the philosophy of you know the, the, the ethics of having of re reproducing and, and you know 
Um, and you, <laughs> I don't, I don't think it's healthy to look at uh, the choices we make in terms of reproducing and and creating new human life on earth only in terms of the environmental impact right that's that's kind of a myopic view and oh, yeah. there are obviously there are other factors at play and um so just hypothetically just off the top of my head like what if we could ha what, what if you know you're an environmentally conscious family and you ch you choose to raise a large family of environmentally conscious and you know, even even environmental activists, right? Mm -hmm. That could be a net gain for the environment, right? Because these are people who could be living in a future where 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 we have sustainable resources and um, you know are promoting environmental activism. So I, I just don't think that it's, might be a bit of a leap. Of course, yeah, for sure. I'm just using it as an example <laughs> to illustrate okay, that yeah, yeah, yeah. that it's not as simple as kids equal you know humans equal destroying oh, yeah, the environment yeah, yeah. and. Um, Ultimately, I do believe we can get to a, a place in the future where, um, where through our technological tools, we can provide for for massive populations and um, and you know have a minimal impact. Because right now we're on the decline. In, 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 and again, um, this is across all measurable um, uh, values. Like we the the amount the actual total amount of environmental pollution is going down compared to where it was in the 90s or the 2000s it's less than it was 20 years ago right. um so i shouldn't be extreme and say in all but in in the vast majority of cases we have kind of hit our peak in in terms of our 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 destructive tendencies and our our bad habits and 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 now we're on the decline even though our population is growing right and so um, hopefully that trend continues. Um, well, let me give you another panic, seeing as we're uh, talking about that. Another, uh, another, I guess, equalizer that we haven't really talked about is um, um, a pandemic, actually. So funny enough, I was looking into that as well. And wherever there are population, historically, wherever there are population booms or um, or whatnot, they're also followed by large pandemics. And right. I, uh, I actually happened to be watching, was it something on Netflix today talking about pandemics, but it's always been kind of fascinating to me. And um, that's a, that's another equalizer right there. I mean, if, if that's a concern, I mean, it's obviously horrifying. It's not something that anyone wants to go through. But I mean, if you believe that, if you, if you have an optimistic view of, or a Machiavellian view Right. the way the, the world's going to sort itself out in nature. I mean, we can always just go ahead and proceed to have a, <laughs> a plague. And Yeah, well, I think that, again, that's kind of a, a conventional approach to population control. Like, not, not, uh, not You know like what? <laughs> a lot of movies have that. What's it like? There was the Angels and Demons or Hellfire or whatever, the one the guy was trying to start a plague. I mean, it's a very yeah. popular, what's-his-face, the Infinity Gauntlet guy, Thanos. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm familiar. I haven't, I haven't actually seen it, but I mean, and and that reflects people's concern, though. That these these concepts of having a plague to kind of um, to wipe out humanity or half of humanity to give us a fresh start. Uh, Thanos, yeah, I, I can't it, get on board with that. I mean, no, I, I'm not. I'm just playing devil's advocate here, <laughs> sure. but I mean, like, it does reflect our our culture and our, our society's concern. I mean, there's there's quite a few people that still still believe this is a um an issue that we have to deal with so 
Yeah, and I think that's just a you know a different another lens that you can you can see the issue through, right? And um, you know, because I, I, I just reading on on up on this 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 topic, like you have some people who are like, yeah, humans are a plague on the earth, and you know we're we're just destroying everything, and it's like, okay, well, that's one way of looking at it, mm-hmm. um, or you could look at it as there there is objective moral or you know there is objective value in in experience of 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 humans so the you know the more humans that exist the more um consciousness exists and if you put value on consciousness that's a good thing so yes there are costs to that um and so i guess you know we're we're kind of delving into the into the, the philosophy here but um, I just think that's that's kind of maybe a, a skewed way of looking at things, and and and, and uh, yes, plague or uh, you know pandemics are kind of a, a a nature's way of controlling populations. But again, we're not a traditional um, bio, like we're not a traditional population, right? We are able to kind of transcend those standard models of population growth and and control through our minds and through our technology so um rather than that you know rather than killing half the earth why couldn't we just double our 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 food production technology right boom same same thing has been achieved ultimately but with you know by a different and arguably uh healthier method so um i yeah um i i just I guess my, my views have evolved in this and I, I used to be a lot pe- more pessimistic and um, concerned about the idea of overpopulation and, and, and just seeing, you know, the leaps and bounds we've made in, in terms of our agricultural f- efficiency and right. just, just, I, I think this is actually one, one of the ones that is easier to visualize in the future for me. So I, I think a lot of these issues, it, it, you know, it's impossible for us to predict what, you know, for example, um, uh, what uh, you know, a, a world with with GMOs would look like, where where we where we where we've genetically or, or you know um, we've genetically modified humans, or we have you know these these cyborgs. Like, um, it's almost oh, impossible yeah. to see well, what, what what would that look like in terms of our day to day lives. But I think with just with food production, you you can kind of it's easier to extrapolate, and and I I see. Um, you know, a hundred years down the line, I see these, I see um, without having to make, you know, that significant of, of technological advances, I just see the ability for us to be, um, you know, and that, that, that link I sent you the other day uh, with, with these, these, these this um, um, vertical forest, right? This is a skyscraper. It wasn't for farming at all. This was just a, 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 a large uh, residential building that was converted right. to, Growing, growing um, um, trees, tree crops, and it was just beautiful, right? It, 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 for, to me, that looked futuristic, and right. I could I could see a city, uh, you know, a hundred years down the line where all buildings had a green exterior, and every building had food production as 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 a, as a, a standard, you know, every the basement and the roof of every single building, business or residential is used for growing plants and and that's minimal minimal um changes in our practices to, to make that happen you can grow like literally giant fruit trees inside in, in a hydroponic facility indoors right um let alone 
um, something we didn't talk about last week again, um, lab-grown meat, right? That's, that is completely sidestepping this, in, this, this system of food mm-hmm. production that we've been relying on for hundreds of years. How if, un- inefficient it is, and, I, and I'm, I'm only going back to the, the animal stuff just to, to, to illustrate this point, but mm-hmm. how inefficient is it com- compared to lab, lab-grown meat to create these these large facilities where you have these animals that are producing waste you they have to eat all this food you know a hundred times more land use for growing soy has to be used to feed these pigs and cows um you know and then all of the the other other wasted products that go along with it when we when we when we kill an animal for its meat what do we do with all that so the energy that was required to grow that animal Mm -hmm. That energy came from somewhere, right? So not to get gruesome, but the bones and the hair, that's all wasted, right? That's all en- wasted energy that's going into these animals that, ha- I mean, in some cases it does have, have utility. Um, we find use for, right? Like like jello is, you know, they use yeah. horse hooves or something yeah, weird yeah, in jello. Yeah. Anyways, bit of a, I digress, but... Um, just, just think. You've already ruined meat for me. Do you want to? Do you want to ruin meat for me as well? <laughs> I, do, I do. I do. I actually do. No, um, but just. It, I knew these already to begin with. I just. Right. It's more. Just the, shut your brain off. Sometimes you just. Yeah. And shut, it, shut off your inner Simon. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's 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 just amazing that we now have these these technological tools to sidestep that entire thing. Let alone, you know, where, where my hobby horse is in terms of the suffering component, right? Yeah. Um, the animal suffering component. Um lab grown meat it like we're not talking about a meat substitute like on a cellular level it's meat it yeah. is meat and it is grown without all of that waste right and right now it's extremely expensive um i think it's like you know a, a thousand or ten thousand dollars something for like a, a small piece of of of, of our lab grown meat oh it's probably it's promising all the but research exactly because every technology is like that right every technology like electric cars 20 years 30 years ago were extremely expensive and they have gone down and down and down and down. It's just how technology works. Solar panels, perfect example of that. Yeah. How expensive were solar panels 30 years ago? Now they, the technology is insane. So again, extrapolating 50 years in the future, lab-grown meat, this is my prediction, hard prediction, for the most part will el- eliminate the need. So um, multiple benefits yeah i'd be happy to see that so same thing applies to our to to, to vegetable crops um we can we can apply these technologies in such a way that will it it will uh you know to grow one banana for example it will take like literally a thousand times less man hours or resources than Mm -hmm. it did back in you know 1910 right so that alone, that that you know, that that principle that's being proved out day after day, um, is enough to give me hope and optimism for for um, to to completely sidestep the issue of overpopulation and just make it a non-issue to the point where we can have as and this is again pie in the sky utopianism, but have as many people as we want. Let alone once we start being a, a spacefaring mm-hmm. um, to, to go back to our, our colonizing Mars episode, mm-hmm. spacefaring species where we have the universe is literally essentially it's infinitely large, right? So um, as we branch out and we you know we we can start creating uh, space stations where you know they're they're growing food in space right now, right? Yeah. that's pretty amazing, right? Yeah, yeah. 
Thomas Malthus, eat your heart out, man. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, there you have it, guys. We don't have to worry about anything anymore. Everything will sort itself out. No, 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 keep, no, no, keep, no. Uh, keep consuming as much as you want, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> That's the wrong, <laughs> wrong logic. No, it, it's not a magical force. I we have, know. we have to maintain it. But, but, but let's, you know, again, yeah. cautious optimism. That's my take on it. Um, I mean, if you see projects in your local community, I know the community farms or community gardens um, are really, are really nice to see. Absolutely. Um, they, they may. I've seen them in my neighborhood. They make use of, you know, um, what do they call it? Like elementary schools. Yeah. Um, or, or it embraces the community together. If if you want to support some of those, or if you hear about a local vertical farm, um, vertical support garden, it. Support, support it. it. Go into it. learn about it. It's interesting. If nothing else, they look. It's if you run into sci-fi like I am, and like me and Simon are. I mean, if you see some of the 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 plans they have for it, or even what's the existing stuff out there, it's very fascinating, and it's definitely for sure where we're headed. I hope without, so. Without without a doubt, I think I mean, so. Yeah, it doesn't make sense not to, but. All right, well, uh, we're going to take a break here, um, and Simon's going to find three topics for, for me here. And, uh, and we will be back. to save and when it's wrong but what's keeping me from holding on I'll be thinking of you even when you're gone but what's keeping me from holding on
tried to say even when it's wrong But what's keeping me from holding on I'll be thinking of you even when you're gone But what's keeping me from holding on Thank you. 
heard some Terza. That one was called Hold On. This one's called Make It Up. Some funky jams here leading us into our topic selection portion of the podcast. Um, so I got three lovely little subjects for Cal to choose from for next week. Um, and I'm actually very curious as to which direction you're going to go here. Um, so the first one you're aware of already, um, meditation, mindfulness meditation. Uh, another one of my uh, subjects of, of interest and, and personal passion. I'm really trying to paint you as a hippie here, but it's hard. I got some hippie roots. and uh, I'm just bugging. There's nothing wrong with being a hippie. Definitely very non-hippie in a lot of ways, as as you can tell from some of my, my political views. But <laughs> I'm just a mixed bag. I'm just uh, you know, which is good. We should which is, which is why we're hanging out when we're doing this. Yeah, open conversation. So meditation. Um, yeah, I, I want to talk about. Um, I want to talk specifically about mindfulness meditation, which is um, um, uh, kind of a, a practice that was derived from the Pasana uh, sect of, of Buddhism. And the benefits, uh, both spiritually and practically, of focusing on your consciousness and your experience, and your and, and really being aware of your thoughts, and uh, okay. <clears throat> something that I'm uh, big into, and I'd love to convince Cal to come on this 10-day meditation retreat with me in February. So that's kind of. It, he's, he's using an entire <laughs> episode as a sales yeah. as a sales pitch. What he's trying to get at. Here. Well, the funny thing is, too, like we're, it's a silent retreat, so we're not even going to be communicating for this ten days. But just you know, I think it's cool to share share that experience with someone and uh, be able to you know talk about it after. Um, so that's number one, and I'm going to keep throwing this one back in the mix until he chooses it. With if, if he doesn't choose today, so All right. uh, listeners, be prepared to to hear about meditation at some point. So, uh, number two, and we kind of touched on this a bit today um, as it related to um, efficiency in crop production, um, artificial intelligence, not as much, but automation. So I want to talk about those two things um, and the uh, morality, I guess, the potential consequences of either one I think they're kind of separate but overlapping issues so um, I think that's something that we haven't talked about yet but is, is obviously very uh, very much a, um, an important issue right now that's becoming Wait, more sorry, and more a third, is this the third one or no, no no oh okay, okay. AI slash automation right. is number two Oh, okay, so AI is up for grabs then, because you're saying not so much AI, but well, I think I th- just because I think I think on their own we could we could talk about, um, but I think they both have similar um, implications in our society. Yeah, I, well, I was gonna say if I had shows that AI would it goes hand in hand, it's pretty hard not to. Not yeah. to talk about AI. So, when are the robots gonna take over the world? That's that's number two, uh, or if they will. Um, fun topic. And number three, uh, I can't remember if, we, if we've touched on this at all, really, um, but the concept of legalizing drugs, flat out, Oh, generally, all drugs, some okay. drugs, whatever, um, as, you know, as Canadians should know, um, our international listeners may not, uh, all of our 
Norwegian listeners, which apparently there's there's a lot of you out there. Oh, they're, uh, super, they're super ahead of us. Yeah, so exactly. Well, in some ways, we're the first G7 country to legalize recreational cannabis. So that's huge. Uh, Uruguay legalized before we did, um, but in terms of industrialized first world countries, we're leading. Canada's in the lead, so you guys got some making up to do. I know Portugal, you were just there. Um, they decriminalized all drugs, I believe. I, I don't know uh, the details there. But in Europe, they've, they've been much more progressive on this front in yeah, a lot of ways. Um, so For the most part, they are quite progressive when it comes to these kind of issues. Um, yeah, so when it comes to meditation, um, I know this is something that you want to start talking about here, but... Um, I'm not gonna lie. These last last couple podcasts, you've uh, you've had you've had the soapbox to. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I won't be able to contribute as much to this conversation, um, just because um, I, I know I know only a surface level amount of it. Um, down the road, though, I definitely want to retouch uh, touch on that again. Um, sure. Especially because I do you know practice again a very surface level idea. Uh, mindfulness meditation um if there's something we learn from it i know definitely pick it up from simon so i'm gonna table that one it's not gone and like simon said he's he'll pester me again at some point with it um as february comes closer um ai and automation okay this one would be a very relevant one um this would definitely require a lot more research um because i don't i want to get into something as intricate and as um relevant as this without looking into that and the legalization of all drugs you know what i think i'll go for the last one just because it is still quite a hot topic in in canada right now um i'm hoping at some point you'll you'll recycle uh the ai and automation um topic because that's also something that um there's a lot to be said about it and there's a lot of debate there's a morality in it mm-hmm. um, for sure but uh the legalization of of all drugs you know what actually <laughs> I'm gonna fl- I'm flip-flopping here I, I'm flip-flopping sorry I, I'm now that I think about it I'm I would like to actually talk more about AI yeah cool. let's, you know what? let's get into that next time okay well it's yeah. too bad because I was gonna I was gonna I don't know if you watch the most most recent Joe Rogan podcast for that that I'm not super familiar with with these guys but yeah. the Ali Shafir guy he like he, apparently he he uh dosed one of his friends with MDMA and uh it's, it's unknowingly like, unknowingly okay, and these that, are these are adults that kind of that kind of pisses me off yeah it's, it, it, so I was like I was I was going to make the joke that I'm going to I was going to spike Cal's water or his tea he's drinking some tea right now and when he goes to the washroom <laughs> just pop a little molly in there and he'll come back and we'll have a very open-minded discussion about drugs but we'll save that for a couple weeks and Oh, I'm I'm looking I'm looking to get uh, roofied here by. <laughs> well, now now you know it's coming. Now I'm just now that's 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 uh, enough fun right there. Now you're just gonna be paranoid all the time. But no. well, well, just for listeners out there, maybe. joking. We're joking. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. Well, thanks for tuning in, and uh, I guess we'll get we'll catch you next week with the topic of uh, AI. Cool.